Well, I wonder what do you think of when you think of Christmas? You know, when I, when I tell you that there's three weeks left until Christmas, what does that do inside of you? Uh, does it get you real excited uh, or maybe a little anxious or maybe a little of both? Well, my name is Steve Wallen. I'm the campus pastor here at Genesis Church. So glad you're here. And uh, this service is going to be a little different than what you're used to. If you come to Genesis a lot, uh, there's not going to be uh, three songs and then a long message and then a song at the end or however we normally do it. We're going to kind of interweave the story of Christmas in with some music and, and the message as well. Uh, but before we start, I just want to remind you that if you're here, uh, especially if you're a guest or visitor, we'd love for you to fill out this connection card. We're going to take the offering later in the service, like near the end. But um, if you have a prayer request or something, you can write on there and drop it in the offering when it comes by. If you are a guest, if you're visiting us today, we have a gift for you. We'd love for you to take this to the info hub after the service, and uh, we'll give you a gift just for being here today. But uh, I cannot believe it that Christmas is three weeks away. It seems like, uh, and we say this every year, this year has gone so fast. And for some of you, that's good news that Christmas is three weeks away. For some of you, well, let's just say it's not the most wonderful time of the year for you. Right? I mean, there are, I, I, it doesn't, isn't it true that Christmas can bring out the very best and the very worst in all of us? I'm of the opinion that there are two types of people when it comes to Christmas. There's this guy, right? And so uh, how many of you know a Grinch in your life? How many of you are sitting next to... Never, never mind. Don't answer that question. To this person, Christmas looks a lot like decorations to be dug out of the basement closet. It's parties and programs that just add distress to your schedule. It's traffic to be waited in, family you don't really enjoy, eating so much that you're incredibly uncomfortable, and too many people to buy presents for with money you don't really have. You know, for for Grinches, Christmas is the calamitous collision of credit cards, calories, and chaos. But then there's this guy. How many of you have a buddy in your life? (laughs) I probably tend to be more on the buddy side. For buddies of the world, Christmas is a lot like decorations, which because you're so excited, you just had to put up in September. You know, Christmas is about uh, parties and programs and the more the merrier. It's about shopping, being fun, even on Black Friday. No, even on Thanksgiving Day, Christmas shopping is fun. Uh, Christmas cookies and time with family make it all the more better. For, For buddies, Christmas is a fun frolic of feast, festivities, family, and fruitcake, because only elves like fruitcake, right? But both, for both Grinches and buddies, what you see is that Christmas means many of the same things, but they have a completely different mindset in how they approach it. And so no matter whether you find yourself more to be a Grinch or a buddy, can we all agree one thing? Like Christmas can be hectic, can it? It can be crazy. In fact, uh, just this morning, I cannot believe that this came out of my mouth this morning. But we meet, our team meets 15 minutes or half an hour before the service to pray over the service every, every morning. So the band, the tech team, and uh, speaker, anybody who's involved in the service, we meet right backstage. And uh, then something else going on, because we've got baptisms later today. We're going to celebrate that. That's going to be fun. Uh, we have nine or eight baptisms across our two campuses. We've got one here in this service that you guys will get to see later. I'm excited for that. But I always meet with the families who are being baptized 15 minutes before the service. So we've got a meeting back here 30 minutes before the service, a meeting over there 15 minutes before the service. And um, the, the guys on, in the band were a little late getting started. I'm like, hey, guys, we got to hurry. We're getting ready to teach people about how to not rush at Christmas. we got to get through this. And uh, it was crazy. Christmas is crazy. It's hectic. And because it's so crazy and hectic, we have the potential to miss what matters most. 
And so today we're starting this four-week series. It's called Christmas More or Less. The question is, what if we made an intentional effort to be less focused on the distractions so that we can be more focused on what truly matters? Like, what if we could be, mo- what, what, if we could be most focused on what matters most, which is Jesus? And so this year and with this new series, we want to do everything we can to focus our hearts and minds on the why of Christmas. Like, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we buy gifts? Why do we decorate our homes? Why do we listen to different music in the month of December than we do the rest of the year around? Because here's the sobering reality. On the first Christmas more than 2,000 years ago, a whole bunch of people missed it. Like, they missed that it even happened. They missed the Son of God who came to earth as a baby to live a life like you and me. And and it's not like they didn't know it was coming. I mean, you only have to read through the Old Testament to see verse after verse that is crying out for a savior. And verses like this one from Isaiah 64 says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Now that word rend means like rip open. Like, oh God, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. This, the earth was ready for a savior. Or like in Psalm 2 where it says, Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in anger and terrifies them with his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the end of the earth your possessions. The whole world was desperate for a savior. But they were so caught up in their own world, in their own problems, uh, that they missed the one thing that would matter most. You know, the, the arrival of a savior who came to deal with the problem of sin and suffering once and for all. So many people missed it. And if we're not careful, we could miss it. We could miss the birth of Jesus in all our celebrating around Christmas. But we've got to be desperate. We've got to be desperate for a savior. Aren't you desperate? When you think about Christmas and everything that it's meant to you in the past, doesn't it just make you long to have a, more of the savior in your life? See, for us, if we're not intentional, Christmas can become just the seasonal routine of consumption and consumerism. We spend more, we worship less. We struggle more, we give less. More, less, more, less. More debt, more stress, less time, less joy, less patience. And before you know it, it's January. And we realize we totally miss Jesus. So Christmas reminds us that God entered our world through Jesus to restore it. I mean, you don't have to look very far to understand that the world is a broken place, right? I mean, you don't have to just watch the news. Uh, It doesn't matter what day, any day. Watch the news. You'll see the world is a broken place. And God entered the world. He rent the heavens. He came down to earth through Jesus to fix it, to to make it better, to, to change everything. And when we look at that, that, that day when he sent Jesus to earth, it changed everything. And so it should definitely change the way that we celebrate Christmas. And so this year, let's work together. This is what we're going to do. Let's work together, you and me. We'll work together to make this a common goal. And our goal is not to miss Christmas. Let's, Let's don't miss Christmas. Let's slow down, breathe deeply, and not rush by the birth of Jesus. And so as I said this morning, we're going to go through things a little differently than we usually do. Um, I'm not going to talk for 30 minutes. I'm going to have Cameron and Alyssa come help tell the Christmas story. 
And we're going to start with a song that describes how the earth was waiting for a savior. And describes that time 2,000 years ago when people were waiting for Jesus. But man, it could just as easily describe us today as we sit and wait the arrival of Jesus in our hearts. But before we do that, I want to pray with you. And as we pray, I want to adopt this ancient posture of prayer, which is where we'll have our hands outstretched and our, hand, our palms facing up. So would you just do that with me? And as we close our eyes, this does two things. One, it's a posture of release. You know, your hands aren't closed around anything. You're saying, God, take away anything from me that's keeping me from celebrating Jesus. And then it's also a posture of receiving. With your hands open, you can best receive whatever God has for you. And so um, just say, you're saying, God, whatever you have for me today, I receive it. Let's pray together. God, we are desperate for you. We're desperate to see your son and we don't want to miss him. We don't want to rush past Jesus in the celebrating of Christmas, as crazy as that sounds. So help us this morning. Help us throughout our week. Uh, Help us as we get closer to Christmas to see the real reason that we celebrate Christmas. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we slow down to prepare for our hearts for Christmas. We want to spend some time uh, this morning in the Christmas story. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one on the floor around you. And let's, as we begin, let's try to see the story of the eyes through three different people or three different groups of people who didn't miss Christmas. You know, if we're going to resolve to not miss Christmas together, let's look at the people who were there for the first Christmas who got it right. And let's see what they have in common. So we're going to talk first about the story through the eyes of Mary. Mary was the favored one. She would become the mother of Jesus. Now, Mary was a teenage girl, uh, maybe as young as 12 or 13. She was engaged to a carpenter by the name of Joseph. And Mary grew up a peasant in a real nowhere land, a town called Nazareth. Uh, Yet she was the young woman that God chose to be the mother of the Messiah, of Jesus. Now, in Luke's account, the angel Gabriel visits Mary and announces that she would give birth to a son and she was to name him Jesus, that he is the one who will one day be king and his kingdom will never end. And when she asked how all this would happen, the angel explained that the baby would be conceived through the Holy Spirit. Now, at this time in history and in this particular culture, uh, having a baby out of wedlock wouldn't have just been shame and disgrace like it might be today or it might have been 30 years ago. Uh, But having a baby out of wedlock could have meant a death sentence from her family. And so this was a big deal. Imagine the anxiety. Imagine the, the worry that she felt in that moment. But Mary's response is beautiful. In this moment, she responds with praise, actually with a song of worship. We see it in Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I mean, even in the unknown, in the worry and stress of the moment, Mary chooses worship. And in the same way, in our circumstances, in our stress, in times of trouble, we can choose worship too. I mean, worship is a choice. And worship is so much more than just the songs we sing on Sunday. You know, we sometimes think that worship is what we do here on Sundays in this room when we stand and sing and that's all of it. But we do more to worship on Sunday mornings. When we open God's word together, we're worshiping. When, when we give our offering, we'll do that later. That's worship, right? But even beyond that, that worship, in fact, I would say worship is more about what happens in your life Monday through Saturday 
than it is about what happens on Sunday. That our whole life can be worship. And the truth is that we're all going to worship something. I mean, all of us are going to worship maybe a relationship, a, a dream, a, a job or a career, money, a lifestyle, a team. And so if we're going to worship something this Christmas, let's choose to worship Jesus. And as I said, it doesn't matter what you're going through. No matter what your desert might be, if you were here with us for the last series, uh, we can worship Jesus regardless of our circumstances in life. If you read the Old Testament, the Psalms are filled with stories of people who chose to worship despite really difficult circumstances. If you look in the Old Testament book of Job, you'll see a man who, after he finds out his livestock has been destroyed and his kids have been killed, he, he praises God. He says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be blessed. And so your life this morning may not be going exactly as planned. Your Christmas season may not be exactly what you had hoped for. But can you let that be your story today? that you choose this morning and this month to give praise to the God who sent his son for you. Mary did, and we can do that too. Cameron and Chris are gonna come out here, or Cameron and Alyssa are gonna come out here. They're gonna do another song um, about Mary. And of course, we know that Mary knew, she was told by the angels um, that she was gonna have a son, but we also all know it's one thing to be told something, and it's quite another to understand it. Now, when we think about shepherds, we have this um, maybe romanticized, idealized, kind of pastoral view of what shepherds are. But in those days, uh, shepherds weren't the most popular people. Now, they were migrant workers in a way. They uh, often didn't have a stable home. They moved from place to place looking for work. And it was a hard life, too. I mean, their job was to protect the sheep. And they had to protect the sheep from whatever threat they might face. There are stories in the Old Testament of David, who was a shepherd, and David fighting off lions and bears from the sheep. I mean, they had to be big, strong guys, and they had a difficult job. And they, they, they lived out in the fields. They were apart from normal society. They, they weren't paid very well for what they did. They were really kind of social outcasts. But God saw them. God saw them, even though they were outside of normal society, even though they didn't quite knew, know where they fit in in society, God saw them. And isn't that a comfort to you today, that God sees you? Like if you're an outcast, if you don't really know where you belong, God sees you. He saw the shepherd, the God of the universe sees you. You know, even if you're not quite sure, like how you fit in, God sees that in you. And God chose these men, these shepherds, to be the first people to hear about the birth of his son. Now think about it. Imagine with me for a moment. If Jesus were to be born today, who would be the shepherds of our day? Who would be the people that God would send that message to first? God chose shepherds. The angel met them in the fields in the night of Christ's birth with this announcement in Luke 2, Luke 2, 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. Just think, these big, strong shepherds who fought off lions and bears, terrified by an angel. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
Now look at their response to this announcement, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about." Okay, so here are these shepherds. They have a big responsibility to guard the sheep from whatever danger may come along, and they have this choice in this moment. Right? They can go follow the angel, go into Bethlehem and see the Savior, or they can keep doing their work, keep their head down, keep their nose to the grindstone, and they choose to go. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, notice the shepherds weren't necessarily told to go find Jesus. They were just told that he was there. And they decided on their own to leave their everyday tasks, to, to leave their routines, to leave their responsibilities, and to go pursue Jesus. They, they couldn't help but come close enough to worship this baby that was going to change everything. And, you know, we all feel the pressure of trying to keep up with work and school and, and sports and shopping and commitments and the Kardashians. And we just can't keep up with all of that. And so I'm not saying that you have to drop all of that, although it might be helpful to drop the Kardashians. But the shepherds made a conscious choice. They took a step of faith away from their day-to-day responsibilities, away from their isolation, away from their busyness to go pursue Jesus. And they ended up encountering a savior who would change the world. And so we're so busy that if we don't be intentional about how we spend our next three weeks, that busyness is going to prevent us from really worshiping Jesus this Christmas. And so I want to give you a couple minutes right here in the service. We're just going to take a couple minutes. I want you to grab a pen out of the seat backs, grab a piece of paper. If you have your message notes, you can write this on there. And, and we're, I'm going to ask you to take, what's one step of faith that you might take this Christmas to really help you worship Jesus? Now for you, it might mean a commitment to be here every week of this series. Like it's four weeks, I'm going to be here every week. I'm going to hear what the Bible says about this story. Maybe it's spending time alone, reading your Bible every morning or uh, through Christmas. Or maybe you download an Advent uh, devotional or something like that. My family and I, we just, uh, every year we usually do the Advent calendar with the little pieces of chocolate in it. And we just decided this year, you know what, our kids are growing up. We need something a little more spiritual than just a candle made of chocolate. And so I bought a box of chocolates because you need to be able to get kids in the word. <laughs> Um, but we got an Advent devotional that we're going through uh, for 25 days by Ian Voskamp. It's called The Greatest Gift. If you want more information on that, I can tell you after the service. But we're doing that every night at the dinner table. Maybe for you, it's something to take a break from. Like, I need to step away from something over Christmas so that I can worship Jesus. Just, just take a minute and write something down on your paper there. Write one step that you can take, a step of faith, to help you worship Jesus this Christmas. And now you've done it. You've written it down. You've told somebody you're accountable to. They're going to ask you about it every week of this series, right? We're going to hold each other accountable. And so now just go do it. Let's go do that, whatever that is, and let's worship Jesus together. The story continues. One more group to see this morning. So sometime after the birth of Jesus, the Magi show up. I'm sorry if I blow apart all your preconceived notions about what this Christmas scene really looked like this morning. 
But I want to tell you this, the, the Magi show up sometime later. The Magi or wise men were likely scholars and astrologers from places like Persia and Babylon. How many were there? We don't know. Bible doesn't say. Your nativity scene at home probably has three, unless your cat ate one of them. And then maybe you've got two. But we don't know how many there were. We know we brought, they brought three gifts. Um, but after noticing a star in the sky at night, uh, Jesus was born. The Magi begin this long and difficult journey to Jerusalem. Notice this in scripture. They went to Jerusalem. They did not go to Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem. So they probably weren't in the manger with the shepherds. So do that with your nativity scene, right? <laughs> but after noticing this star, they go to Jerusalem looking for what the one the scripture said would be born king of the Jews. And the reigning king at this time in that area around Jerusalem was a man named Herod the Great. And we're not sure if it took them as long as a year or maybe two to get to where Jerusalem was. But they arrived at Herod's palace and they asked him this in Matthew 2.2. 2, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Now Herod was not pleased that there was another king. The kings at this time were very territorial, and to know, for Herod to know that there was another king that was born in his kingdom, uh, got him pretty upset. Not just pretty upset. It really made him angry. And so he decided to go kill all the baby boys that were born in that area around that time, in fact, for the last two years. And so he conjures up this plan to use the wise men as a way to find baby Jesus. And so he tells them, hey, when you find him, let me know. I want to go worship him. But Herod didn't worship him. Instead, Herod was trying to find a way to kill him. In Matthew 2, 9, we see this. The wise men say, after they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now imagine this, these wise men who have riches beyond what we could imagine. They, they have wisdom. They've, they've come a long way and they are overjoyed to see this child. On coming to the house, verse 11, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, after finding Jesus, these wise men were left with a difficult choice. And it's a choice that we face every day. They were caught between two kings. They were caught between two kingdoms. On one hand, there was the kingdom of Herod, the kingdom of Rome. It was a kingdom of power and riches. And on the other hand, there is this new king in Jesus. Jesus offers a new kingdom, one of promises fulfilled one of faith and hope, one of grace and redemption and forgiveness. Now, Herod, Herod missed Jesus. He was so busy worried about protecting his own kingdom that he missed this new king. But the wise men, well, they chose wisely, as you would expect wise men to do. They, they chose Jesus. They chose to worship Jesus with the very best they had. And notice that when the wise men came to worship Jesus, they brought gifts. That was their idea of worship. They gave their gifts and honored him. And with their gifts, they declared him truly the one king forever. Well, you and I, every day, we stand between two kingdoms. We have, on one hand, the kingdom of this world and everything that it offers. And then we've got the kingdom of Jesus a kingdom full of promise and power. Which will you choose? 
Because when we, we choose busyness and we choose to worship the things of this world, we'll miss the kingdom of Jesus. You can choose the kingdom of the world or you can choose to worship Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, we so desperately need Jesus. We need him in our lives. We need him in our Christmas. And we need him in our homes. And God, we uh, just pray that over the next few weeks that we don't miss the reason that we celebrate Christmas. I pray that you would help us to be mindful of how we spend our time and how we spend our money. I pray that you would help us to be generous and compassionate to people around us. I, I pray that you would help us to choose to worship more in everything that we do. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the birth of Jesus is the greatest gift the world has ever known. And in response, the one thing that we can do in response is to be more generous and compassionate to those around us. And so here at Genesis, if you're new, if you're uh, visiting here, you may know, we celebrate the giving of our offering, and we're going to do that in just a minute. And as they come and take the offering, um, we're going to see one way that we can be generous to those less fortunate around us. So let's uh, welcome our host team forward as they take up the offering. This Christmas season, we are partnering with Food for Souls to provide basic needs to the homeless community in Indianapolis. They strive to instill hope in Christ by meeting daily needs and aligning resources to those who are ready to move into a life beyond homelessness. They understand that it takes long-term relational investments in the lives of these individuals to help build trust and to rebuild their own sense of worth. Genesis Student Ministry is organizing the Love Your Neighbor Drive, in which we're going to change things up and instead of just donating, in 2017, once a month on Sunday, we'll be sending a team down to help serve with Food for Souls. This gives you the opportunity to interrupt your daily schedule, go downtown, and serve others, and truly be compassionate. I recently got to go downtown and serve with Food for Souls. When you see somebody, like, begging on the corner, like, you look at that person and you're just like, okay, why can't you help yourself out of this type of thing? Like, you're not compassionate at all. But when you actually go down there and experience it, you realize, like, okay, that person may, may not have the resources to get a job or help themselves off the street. One cool success story that I got to hear from that trip was a guy named Steve. Steve was a guy that had been in the camp for a few years and made his living selling bicycles, fixing them up, and selling them to people. And that week that I went, that was actually his last week that he was going to be served by Food for Souls. Steve was able to move on because he was able to provide for himself. What I expected when I went down to Feed for Souls is to basically just hand food out to these people that needed it, and I wasn't really expecting to take like a big thing out of it. When I actually did experience it, I realized that my perception of what the whole idea of the homeless person was completely changed. action steps I want to point you to. Uh, first of all, when you walk out of here, uh, our students will be at the doors and they'll be handing out lists of gifts that we can bring uh, for the homeless community in Indianapolis. We'd love for you before December 18th 
to, to bring back some of those gifts and put them under our Christmas tree in the lobby. And uh, we're going to deliver those to uh, where they store the gifts so that on Sundays, Food for Souls always takes a mission team downtown every Sunday uh, to serve with the homeless community. Now, if you want to be part of one of those mission teams, uh, Genesis, once a month, as it said in the video, we're going to be sending a team downtown to do that. You can sign up on the Genesis Church app if you have that. You can sign up to be on one of those teams or go to our website, genesischurch.me. Or if you just want to write Food for Souls on the connection card, um, you can drop it uh, at the info hub when you walk out and we'll, we'll get you signed up. We'll get you put on a list to go serve with the homeless, okay? Now, in just a minute, we're going to celebrate baptisms, and uh, we love to do that. But first, we're going to sing. We're going to go to the Lord and worship through music. So we'd love for you to stand if you're able and sing with us.